Today's Hot Forward podcast is brought to you by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. In just five short years, SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow or launch your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit and the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion. Their recently opened part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running. Visit their website on www.ssvlimited.co.uk. That's www.ssvlimited.co.uk. And check out their latest projects. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, brewmasters, landlords, and men and maiden of the fine old ales, and welcome to another Hop Forward podcast. Last November, I took on a design job to create a logo for a new brewery called Team Toxic, uh, comprising of Gaza Prescott, formerly of Hopcraft, and Sue Hayward from the now-closed wine brewery in Central Wales. Uh, Their brief was as follows. It was to create a logo that was toxic, but not too toxic because they were trying to sell beer um so the the oozing skull in a gas mask didn't quite hit the spot even if it did look very very cool if i say so myself um and you know uh, usually when i'm in my creative flow i'm i'm literally brimming with ideas but on this occasion i just couldn't quite make it work and then my friends then i bought a stylus so th- this is literally like a digital pen I used to do a lot of drawing as a kid, so when I plugged in this bad boy, the logo took on a life of its own. And the great thing about a stylus is, if what you've drawn is shit, then essentially it's easy to manipulate it and make it look awesome without having to start from scratch again. Oh, the wonders of the modern age. Um, So after several weeks of back and forth, and can you make that a bit bigger, or "Mm, that's about 10% more toxic than we're looking for, we finally hit upon a finished logo. And you know, it's been great seeing Gaza and Sue on Facebook, traveling the length and breadth of the UK, and visiting Europe for collaborations in their Team Toxic t-shirts, and having this satisfying feeling that, "Mm, I I made that logo. Um, it, It is to a designer, what seeing someone drinking one of your beers is to a brewer. And given that I both brew beer and design things, it's like having that satisfaction in stereo. So when Mick Jagger's like, I can't get no satisfaction, sorry Mick, I can twice over. Boom, there you go. Um, Sean from Beer Central in Sheffield recently said that Gazza and Sue are two of the nicest people you meet in craft beer. And, And do you know what? He's absolutely right. After working with them and seeing them popping up time and again on social media, I wanted to meet them over a few pints and, in Gaza's case, some rums. Um, That'll make sense when you hear the interview. Um, And get them on the podcast to chat about their experiences working in beer. Um, Gaza used to brew with Dave Unpronounceable back in the day as part of Steel City. So I met up with the three of them in the Harlequin in Sheffield after an anniversary brew day 
where they recreated an interpretation of their first ever beer. The thing I love about conversations like the one you're about to hear, apart from soaking up the atmosphere of the local pub, uh, hence all the background noise, um, is the very real down-to-earth, brass tacks, no-nonsense look at working in and running a brewery. It's a really hard industry to make a living in, and it's really as far from as glamorous as Instagram would make you believe, as I'm sure many of you listening out there are painfully aware. There's, There's nothing glamorous about it and yet here we are wet cold covered in yeast rejected for the 50th time on a monday every monday you know what i'm talking about or having to pick up the phone every monday knowing full well what conversation is going to be on the other side um, or loading a van with heavy casks or dealing with a certain pump clip collector on a regular basis And yeah, here we are doing it for the love of brewing or the passion to serve and educate people on beer and the conversations and the camaraderie. Um, So in this episode, we cover a lot of ground discussing everything from cuckoo brewing to brewers and business people and what roles people play and how the industry has changed and morphed into what it is today. If you like the Hot 4 podcast, you can support us in the following ways. Uh, Follow us on social media at Hot 4 Beers. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Visit hot4.beer for more articles and podcasts like this one or using one of our services to help you get ahead in your beer business, whether it's branding and marketing services, brewery consultancy or business development. We can help you develop what you're doing and get ahead. Or now you can visit hot4.beer forward slash support and buy me a beer so for contributors and subscribers um through the support program i'll be putting out mini episodes called fermenting thoughts which will include tips from me on how to market your products and services how to build a beer brand develop your business and some of the technical aspects of brewing and you'll receive some access to exclusive episodes and some early bird episodes um all, all that's in the making and coming up so if you want to support the podcast by chipping in um, go to hotfor.beer for slash support go literally buy me a beer and uh, while you do that you can enjoy the sounds of me Gaza, Sue and Dave having a few beers of our own in the Harlequin on an unseasonably warm September evening talking all about Team Toxic cheers I be speaking gibberish. So um, I'm here in the Harlequin, joined by Gaza and Sue from Team Toxic and, and Mission Creep. Well, that's the story as well. I'm wine, don't forget wine. That was a question yeah. I had to yeah. wine. Should okay. we tell the story of how it all came well, about? Well, no, it's fine. No, I was saying, just on the side, observing, throwing in the, the swears and the, the heckling is Dave unpronounceable. Who's... Ah, piss off the lot of you. It's rude. Dave, how, how do you how do you pronounce your surname? I know. Smith. There you go. Sorry. Dave's Dave Smith. Smith. <laughs> he was in our today. We're going to get him sent home as a, as a legal immigrant. Oh, no, 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 I actually changed my name by default. It actually is now literally Dave Uncle. That's what's on my passport. Really? No. Oh, <laughs> shame. Really this is why Dave hasn't got his own microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I can pronounce his name because I'm, I'm dead, dead travelling. Go on then, have a go. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Spakovsky. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Kozgan. Bude pełno zaraz. Mówimy polski małe. Dziękuję. So I'm, 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 so I'm sure some of our listeners will be familiar with you guys from the UK Beer and Brewing Professionals Facebook groups. You seem to pop up on there quite a bit, throwing in all the controversies. But for, for those who, who don't know you, why don't you give us a bit of background, who you are, what you do, and all that jazz. Well, Hello, I'm Gaza. Um, I've, always liked, I've always liked beer since I was young. I worked for a brewery for years, and I was, uh, I, I worked in IT for 20 years. And IT pays really well, but it's, it's boring as hell, I hated it. But it was a good job, it was like an easy job, didn't do a lot. And um, I always went to set my own brewery. I went to an interview with the Firkin chain in uh, 1993 to be a brewer. And I got rejected because I had no experience. I was really pissed off at that. And, um, but I always hankered after being a brewer some stupid reason and obviously working in IT it was a great job didn't do a lot of work it's brilliant and knew Dave through beer and we basically said we through beer and through uh, railways and through the transport matters and we basically said oh, we want to brew some beer because at the time this is like 2007 89 British beer was very it's changed so much in like even 10 years. I mean, then it was the best beers, oh, as in the best beer. The beers we like to drink with hoppy pale beers. And the only people brewing them were basically Brewdog and Thornbridge with Jaipur and, and Punk. And so there was an initial wave of like Brendan Dobbin mm. in Manchester brewed the, the best beers in Britain for like three or four years. And then there's a bit of a lull. And then these guys set up and we thought, we want to brew. Punk IPA Jaipur, but nobody, we want to brew this because nobody else is making it. So we decided, oh, we'll go and see our mate Pete and brew, what's it called? Brew Co, wasn't it? Brew Company. Brew Company. And we'll go and brew a beer. So we, funny enough, 10 years today, da, 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 we um, brewed our very first cuckoo brew at Pete's place and it was called Hot Muffins. What was it called? Hot Manifesto. I did wonder what, what, how Pete fit into this when I saw yeah. him earlier. Yeah. So, okay. well, basically, Pete, we sort of knew Pete anyway because drinking a beer. And we and you sorted out a, a brew at Pete's place. We, said, we said, right, we need to do this. You said, you, remember you saying to me, right, Pete is up for it. Should we do it? Well, yes, we're going to do it. So we, we, we formed a company and we went to Pete's and brewed this first beer. And at the time, it was quite groundbreaking, well, groundbreaking, it was pretty ahead of its curve, it was mm. hoppy, pale, lots of dry ops, lots of late ops, and it went really well, and people loved it, and it was quite unique, as in there wasn't that many beers like it. Nowadays, I mean, when, when we came through this again, we got the old the original recipe out, and we went, yeah, really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Did we make this? And it, it, now it's just laughable, it really is laughable. It's like, oh, really? It's not laughable, certainly middle of the road. Oh, it is laughable, it's like, Stupid loads of well, weird hop additions. Like, what's this about? Yeah, and, and was it 25 grams per firkin of dry hop? Yeah. So today we've done literally 10 times that. Yeah, mm. but not in the cask, in the tank. So it's, a lot of it is t- taste of change. People now expect hoppier beer. They can, in them days, our beer, the beer we made was quite forward. Mm. Now it, it would be classed as very, very middle of the road. The whole thing made this whole scene. What we were involved with at first made 
hoppy Casper. It was Casper, really, because there was no keg beer to speak of. That didn't exist. Craft beer was... I, I've always classed our beer as, as craft. Because it is. It's, yeah. it's craft beer. I don't care what container it comes in. It could be in a cask, a keg, a bottle, a can, a boot. Yeah, you know, anything. I don't care what it comes in. It's craft beer. The container doesn't matter. It's the actual beer that counts. And we were there at the start pushing this forward. And now, you look at the scene now, people want years ago, even when we were brewing, everybody wanted the beer to be clear. The beer had to be clear. And now it doesn't. Now beer's got to be cloudy. Yeah. So it's it's one of them things. It's um, the world's the beer world's turned up on its head. Literally five five six years. Mm. And now if, if we walk in a bar now, we go. That's a bit bloody clear. And we expect it to be rubbish because we expect clear beer now to be boring. That's just that's, that is old fashioned. And new modern beer is murky, cloudy. And it's, we were part of the scene that actually made this happen. It sounds like we were, we, we, we were, we were at the time, we were quite forward, yeah, mm. forward in that scene. And Pete helped us out by letting us do a few brews there, and then we couldn't fit there anymore, so we moved to Ale Cart, Henry Street, and then we were there for like three or four years. And, we're from there, really. Oh, that's my story. That's you. Yeah, 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 that's that's not. Not. That's not. And then, after that, I went to a good enough tape in that thing. <laughs> Don't think it's tape, tape anymore. Yeah. Tape? Don't think it's tape. Old school. It's like me winding them back. Let me get my new cassette out. Hang on. I was, I was being ironic, by the way. I wasn't like, <laughs> you think it did cassette. No, it wasn't. <laughs> that. Start with that. Go on then. So I'm, I'm preparing my thoughts. And, uh, after that, I was uh, down in working IT down in South Wales and met some guys who had a little brewery. And they said, Oh, we want to create a bigger brewery and get involved. And I thought, at the time, I was pissed off with the job. And I, 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 I've had 20 years in IT, that'll do me. I need out. So, yeah, let's do it. So I joined Pixie Spring. Mm. And they had a really bad name for themselves. I said, Right, we need a new brand. We'll do a new brand. And, at the time, Hopcraft, it sounds incredibly cheesy and crap now, but at the time it was quite, yeah, it was quite, yeah, it was quite good. That's our new brand. And we pushed that forward and we did loads of mad beers. I mean, at the time, we were bad at the time. Got a good name for it. We, in, in, on Untapped, I don't like Untapped as a, as a resource, but we were number three for a long time in Wales. Mm. I've only four brewers, to be fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was at 96. <laughs> Yeah, we were like three or four out of like eight, eight, nine breweries. Number 34 in England, Bernard. <laughs> yeah, but you, you make about three, three litres a year. Right, don't start squabbling, boys. And, um, about 20 years of <laughs> Yeah, so uh, anyway, we carried on with doing this and there was a big, something, Sue's story will laid in a minute but last year with the big share big shareholders fall out and I said you can piss off I'm going so I left basically we set a new company up uh, called Team Toxic mm. and the, the idea was to break away from the whole old fashioned thing having your own brewery making beer because there's so many breweries in Britain now it's like 2,000 breweries most of them don't work anywhere near capacity Yeah, and they're all basically paying rent do nothing. So we knew a lot of people. We said, literally, uh, who's got any spare capacity? We can come and borrow. And we had low, well, literally dozens of invites. And we chose two people we knew 
who had capacity that we could trust to brew beer. And the main one was Liverpool Brewing Co, the old Liverpool Organic. And we we basically, yeah, cuckoo, to go back to the original point, we cuckoo stroke contract brew at Liverpool, Liverpool Brew Co, make our beer there. We haven't got our own brewery. That, and, Obviously, with the success of Omnipolo and Mikula and all these people, you don't need your own brewery. Yeah. The, the whole thing in brewing is the, the creative side is the recipes and the artwork. The brewing is just, it's just manual work. Anybody can do that. It's process engineering. The hard bit is actually creating the beer, recipe and the artwork, and then selling it is, is the other big thing. Because selling beer is an absolute nightmare nowadays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and between us, we bring quite a good... Symbiosis of uh, talents because we're, we're both good at various things, but neither of us are good at this. Well, yeah, we've got a crossover, yeah, but yeah, but I'm crap at selling beer, I always have been, I'm just rubbish at it, it's really good at it. But we can both design beers, so we both design the beers. I'm I do more the artwork because I do because I, I can work the, the 10 year old dodgy <laughs> yeah. software with packages go on the computer. MS Paint. <laughs> I ripped off the internet 10 years ago for nothing, and um. I do most of the artwork with help of the people sometimes, and we, um, we 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 design the beers. We get them brewed, and usually Sue sells it all. I might sell the odd the odd bit, but it's usually she does it. Then then we deliver it, and it's it's the, the model is like a most models in nowadays are. I've got a brewery. I make beer. I sell beer. Our model is we commission beer. We sell beer. Our expenses basically are the van, our wages, and a bit of that, and our hospitality, mm. as in going travelling, yep. staying away with a bit of buying beers, buying a bit of rum, you know. So what about you, Sue? In your background? Yeah, so well, I started completely, almost the opposite, I guess, really. From So I wasn't beery background at all. I mean, I liked beer, but I wasn't from that background. I suppose I didn't start drinking beer till I was 18 or maybe 20, I suppose, was when I first got interested in beer. And the first beer that I really liked was met vaguely of any interest, which wouldn't be now. I probably wouldn't drink it now. I haven't had it in years, but... Was hot back summer lightning, so it was it was that 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 I'd always thought I really liked that. God, you know that must be really nice to make something like that. You know, I I, I knew no more than that really, and then uh, moved to Mid Wales, and the the beer was just well, it's no different now to be fair, but uh, the beer the beer was just shockingly bad, um, and having had kids and you know having not worked for a bit while the kids were small and that sort of thing I'd given up what I did do which was horses all my life I'd worked with horses had children so gave up work totally for the for the kids until they were at school and um, it was like well you know what, what you know what can I what can we do here you know it'd really been nice to have my own have something ourselves rather than working for someone else and because the beer was so chronically bad where we were, we, you know, I just thought it would be nice to actually make something that, that I would like to drink, which is what I still think now, really, but making beers that you want to drink. Yeah, same as me, Yeah, so I had that in mind, really, in setting it up. I mean, the, the sort of motive behind it was to try and get beers in the locality that were nice and to, to drink. Well, 
I think a lot of brewers find that that just, just doesn't work. You yeah. know, I did, we, we, I just never really sold a lot of beer locally. They didn't want to pay enough money for the type of beers that I wanted to make. So right from the off, the beers were going outside of the sort of locality. So it, 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 the, the fact of being a local brewery was not really a thing, mm. you know, really. It, it, and it was never really a thing being a Welsh brewery. Didn't sell a lot in Wales, really. You know, it went, it went outside. Um, but yeah, so that, that, I'm trying to think now. So from 2009, started that, moved to a bigger brewery in, I think, 2012, upsized it all. It was all good, but... So was that like self-funded or...? Yeah, everything right. was self-funded, yeah, and lost lots of money on it in the end. But, um, yeah, everything was, you know, just personal money mm. ploughed in. Um, and then, by the end, just weren't, just wasn't making enough money. I mean, it just physically couldn't make enough money. You know, the, we had we opened bar, a couple of bars and they needed money put in. That was more money that went in. It, it's, 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 it's a very... It's the obvious thing is to have a bar yourself if you're a brewery, and it re- and it really is still I think yep. the obvious thing to do. However, it's not as quite as simple as it looks. And when you're taking on a rented premises, I think if you've got the money to buy something, fantastic. But it, all the while you're taking on a rented premises uh, with rates and all the rest of it. When you're a small brewery that's struggling to make enough money anyway, um, it's a big ask. Yep. And we didn't have a big amount of cash to throw at a, at a venue to, to ride that first sort of thing mm. and, and uh, you know spend on it to make it look amazing and all of that sort of thing. We just didn't have that. Um, so yeah, so we got to, got to the end of a, the, that a period of time and I just thought either we sit here and we put in more of our own money or we just draw a line under this and say that's enough, and, you know, come out. So by that time we'd done a couple of collabs at Hopcraft and having sort of chatted to, to Gazza about it thought right we'll just shut this finish this and at that point I moved to brewing all my stuff so it was like a first iteration of this really but I moved to brewing all my stuff at Hopcraft yep. um, kept the wine brand and, and did all that um, but that's how we sort of first started working together really wasn't it and, and, and did that sort of thing and then, as I say, when when so yeah, so I started doing sales for Hopcraft. So all a lot of their sales were done through me. Um, sold their beers and my beers alongside. So you had you know two brands on one list, mm. which works really well. And then there was a bit of a, this falling out that happened, and yeah. they decided they didn't want my beers there anymore. Which unfortunately were their biggest. Well, Pamplemousse was their biggest selling beer. So the, right. So the minute I went, I was the salesperson and I had the biggest selling beer and almost immediately it sort of plummeted really. So um, the whole yep. thing was a bit of a disaster on their part, but there we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Fair choice. But. So, I think that basically we, we got uh, sprung on us, on me, on the shareholders meeting that we hadn't had for like about three years. I'd been a bit, na- a bit naive in a way, went in there and the, obviously they'd all talked beforehand and they said, oh, the brewery's not doing well enough. We don't. We, we think Sue's a bad influence. She's, she's taking too much money out of it. What's she doing for the money? You know, and it was, it was literally we want you to just make all the Pixie Spring boring beers again. I said, well, no, it's not happen because you can't sell them. I can't sell those. Oh, if Sue's not selling them, I, I'm not going to sell them. We're a salesman, and we can't sell locally. We, we, it's not going to happen. And we think we should do that. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with you. So, so you've got to do this. I said, well. They said, you, you've got to brew this beer. 
um, next week we, I, I did I brewed something I brewed Pumper Moose instead and we, we, we just relabeled six casks as, as their beer and they go well, you're not taking this seriously so well you can fuck off I'm going so I left and then uh, I mean, it's, it's a big wrench because I, I basically built that up from nothing they yeah. were they were absolutely in, in, in the gutter when I joined there I, we built it up to one of the best brewers in Wales and they all of a sudden decided they weren't doing well enough because last year was a really tough year the industry was really tough and we were still making money, but not as much. And yeah, we, we, we could have had a meet. We could have had a good meeting, ironed the issues out, had a good talk. But they basically ordered a meeting beforehand and decided that they wanted Sue out and me to do what I was told. And anybody who's met me before knows I don't do what I'm told. Especially if, if I don't agree with it. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this, it's rubbish. And they were saying things like, oh yeah, we can, we can sell more beer than you. We said, okay. So I said, right, I'm leaving. You can you you do it then, and literally the brewery's now gone on the wall almost because they haven't sold any beer. Mm. And I said, well, you know, I told you so. Yeah, but the interesting thing about that is that then it became apparent that that was the case, didn't it? So I mean, yeah. the, the, uh, you know, the, one, some of the other directors now have realised yeah. it's all slightly turned around now, and the other directors have become you know very aware of of this fact and have now yeah. said I really regret how this was handled yeah. and actually we should have sat down and we should have actually discussed it with you not the director who called the meeting and we realised this was a complete mistake we've yeah. fucked this up basically yeah. we killed the business basically killed the business off it's, it's, so it's, it's a mess yeah. a, a real but sad bolting the gate once the horse has fled yeah we shot the horse in the, in the stable basically because the horse was a bit, a bit medicine but it wasn't dead they basically shot it or cut its legs off because it's they've yeah, we, we went from selling 200 odd containers it was 300 yeah 300 at some point 300 odd containers a month they were like they've been selling like literally a third quarter of that right and that's not even gonna pay the bills and it's like hang on i thought you could sell all this beer obviously not so they've literally not done what they said but it's anyway it's that's all in the past i'm i'm still a director but we're, it, it's I'm now concentrated on Team Toxic. Yeah. This is our new thing. We want yeah. to, this is going to work. It's one of those things. And all, in a way, I don't regret any of it because I learned, I met a lot of good people. I learned a lot well, through doing that. To be fair, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing no, now. We wouldn't have met, would we? Had you, yeah, but also you, yeah. we wouldn't be selling the beer we've no. selling. We wouldn't have the reputation we have no. if you hadn't done Hopcraft. No. So Hopcraft built a great reputation yeah, for, for selling really well made craft yeah. cask beer mm. that was really well made you see we were like number two three four in wales for like years and years and we got really good got really good reputation so a lot of, a lot of beer and we now the beer again the beer market changed recently well very recently it's all you know hipster beers you get a lot of you know it's more sour and murky and double ipas and stuff we don't make that because a we're not we don't want it really because we don't, it's, it's, it's that's copy that's, that's, that's tailgating and it's well, we do though we do make yeah. so we do <laughs> not, well yeah we do <laughs> we, do, we don't like sort of make we don't do it to no i know to hang on coattails we do it out in our way and it's 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 um it's a funny one it's it's difficult to be at the cutting edge of beer we uh, still city 10 years ago we were at the cutting edge and now we're not definitely not but Cutting edge isn't always the best place to be. I was going to say, I don't think it's the money maker. You don't That's sell the, the beer. It's, the, it's a niche market. At the end of the day, we have to make money. It's, it pays our wages. So 
you can make all of you know mad stuff and that's good fun and everything but you know we need casks and cakes out the door every week and mm. if we're not if we're not selling 60 casks a week then we're not making enough money to, yep. to warrant doing it we might as well be doing something else so you know so we have to sell we have to make beer that we know we can sell every week to the same people over and again and you know and that's not the mad weirdy stuff all of the time yeah. you know well, you've got to well. make good make really good quality, good quality stuff yeah. that people want to buy that we're known for yeah. do you think some breweries fall into the trap of trying to make weird beers all the time yeah. and like kind of, kind of what I would call Instagram breweries you know they're, they're trying, to, trying to appear to be like you know smashing out the hazy juice bombs and all the rest of it and, and look great on Instagram but yeah, it's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've had times when we've, we say this all the time, but we've had times when we've been in a bar and we've been trying the beers that we know we've seen on, say, Instagram or, you know, whatever, as being the, the best beer there is at the moment and all that sort of thing, and, and you try it, and we both look at each other and go, really? Is this, you know, seriously? Yeah. We, it's just... Like, I, the other day we were in Shrewsbury, we, we make a beer called Oscillate wildly, and it's a, uh, a Smith's reference. Obviously, and it's a, uh, a, a it's called potentially a, a cheesecake IPA. It's a very modern beer. It's a lot of oats, a lot of wheat, a lot of lactose, a lot of fruit puree and vanilla. You get like a cheese, sweet cheesecakey. It, it sells and it sells great in cask and keg. People love it. We had one recently from a very famous craft brewer in the in the what we call the the craft beer elite. who the untouchable dozen breweries. And we drank it and we said, ours is ten times better than that. It really is. Mm. Um, In fact, someone, that was the one, that's one we screenshot, posted up, wasn't it? An untapped review, which said something like, they were drinking it somewhere and said, if this was, if this was brewed by and listed, you know, breweries, this would be all over the place and it's very, it's very frustrating I mean, that's, that's life isn't it it's, it's, just, life. it's life if you don't have that um, exposure and that sort of thing I understand that but it's quite frustrating but how, how much of that do you think comes down to marketing lots of it lots of it uh, yeah fully aware that's a lot of it money if you've marketing. got the money to, to, to really get your brand out there absolutely yeah a lot of it I, I think at the moment more, more than ever is marketing mm. So how, how for brewers like you guys, because I mean I see a lot on like Facebook and stuff, like you seem to be all over the place. I, I was talking to one brewer recently, it was like when I said um, about doing your logo, it was like, oh I've seen them, or, you know, like they always seem to be online, like so you seem to be getting about, but like how, how for small brewers like you that don't have a marketing budget, are you getting yourself out there? Marketing budget, we don't have one of those. No, I mean, it is <laughs> But then we question that, you see, because literally that's all we have is social media. That's all we have. I say all we have, but I mean, you know, it can be a great thing. But it is all we have. But you do question how much good that is doing you if you've not got the other sort of marketing behind you, I think. Mm. You know? So if you, um, by default, if you don't have the can, if you don't have the ability to can every beer you do with all the, you know, amazing look to each can and all that sort of, that's a natural uh, marketing right there. You know, if you haven't got that 
that naturally happening with all of your beers and stuff. You're already on the back foot a, a bit, I think. You know, it's it's a it's a big thing. Well, it's even been in a can in and of itself. Because I yeah. found with my beers that when cans started coming out more, all of a sudden, my mine were in three thirty mil bottles. They just start selling less just because it was yeah. in a bottle. Yeah. And. It, it, you know, and I remember Sean at Beer Central saying that my beers have fallen down the same crack that Thornbridge had with their three thirty mil bottles. It's just kind of like, well, it's, they're not quite unquote crafty enough for I mean, we the had, cool um, kids. But we had a very well known bottle shop in Brum tell us that even they've had the first time ever they've had Colonel beers going out of day in bowl. Yeah. Wow. Never, never happened before. Really, because they're in bowl. Can't sell bottles. Everybody yeah. wants cans. For better or for worse, everybody wants can beer, and it's got to be four forties. Three thirties don't sell. Yeah. But that's that's like I suppose like with the with the rums earlier and it's like it's that's like the new rum isn't it to the you know you had your gin which was your three thirty mil can it and is, now well, you you've got to ride it I mean if, if the thing is if you've got the money if you're one of the new craft brewers of money you can go okay whack it all in big yeah, cans yeah exactly you can just say yeah right next big cans ten beers stick them all in these it's not easy for us to do that it's not easy for us to can at all because the quantities that we want to can it's very difficult to get good canners to can that quantity so we're limited right from the off really as to how we we so do that. The, the golden question is like, how, how do you guys make a living from it? If you know, because obviously you know you you you're not selling. I'm guessing you're not selling the quantities that your big hitters are selling. But you yeah you know you you've obviously got a low overhead from what you said earlier about um, cuckoo brewing. But like, how, how are you how are you making a living from it? Well, I mean, it's, it's early days. I mean, we've only been going really, really six months out, yeah. eight months. We're, we're making more money than we ever did as brewers. Didn't what, sorry? We're making more money than we ever did when we had our own breweries. Right. Having a brewery is that absolute ev- leg every, every month we're paying ourselves a wage without having to think about can we pay ourselves a yeah. wage. Yeah. When you're That's brewer, never ever happened. Well, when you're a brewer, the last thing is always, oh, it's always pay you. this, pay this, pay that. Never oh, ever pay It's left for me. Oh shit, not again. Yeah. And <laughs> this, this is a, a complete novelty to us at the moment. Pay ourselves I mean, first. When you, when you analyse it, because the, the, the model we've done with, the, with Liverpool where we are, it works because they needed our help a bit as well. So it's not like, it's not you're not going to a brewery and just saying I need this done they need something from us as well so you know, they, they didn't have the sales really at all they, they didn't know the business they didn't have that so we help them with that they get um, exposure through us you know all our contacts which they didn't have so they knew that so because of that we got quite a good deal with them as to what we actually pay for having the beers done you know that all works really well so when you when you add up what you're paying out for having a brewery premises and all the rest of the shit and you know tax that you're paying and all that, we're we're in a much better situation. It works for them as well. It's a it's a help. You know it's a it's a it's a it's cash for them each month. Yeah. That they don't have to worry about too much. They you know, it works both ways and it's it's so risk free for us because if anything does go wrong, we just up and move somewhere else. Yeah. You know? We've got there's just nothing tying us anywhere. And we've got, yeah, as you say, no physical overheads, you know, there, you know. So do you, it's, do you it's think nice. more newer breweries need, or well, not, maybe not even newer breweries, but do you think more breweries need to take this approach? Like, so take take Dave with Lost, Lost Industry and Steel City, for example. Um, I mean, that seems like a good arrangement for both you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, also, going back to what um, Gaza was saying earlier. Um, 
So we, we, we'd been brewing at the same place for a while, for whatever reason, had to move out of there. Um, sim- similar sort of thing, so Lost Industry had a bit of capacity, I needed somewhere to brew, and we had similar, we have similar sort of approach to beer, so it worked, you know, we, we'd done a couple of collaborations before that, um, we, we brew, we both brew a lot of what Gaza would call hipster, uh, <laughs> hipster juice, hip, hipster, hipster juice, juice. Um, so, um, Again, winding back, we started out brewing pale hoppy beer because we couldn't get them. So we thought to brew it ourselves. By four or five years ago, they're everywhere. It's like, oh, I've just brought out a new pale hoppy beer. Well, so have a load of other people. There's 12 have launched in the last hour. So it's like, I don't feel the need to do that now. Lost Industry have made their name with some of their, particularly their sours, and doing some really crazy stuff. so, you know, it's been really good for me brewing there. And sort of some of the stuff they do is really crazy. Um, and man. Man. Man, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Man. Far out, man. Yeah, wow, man. <laughs> no, no, hip, hipster, not hippie. Wow. There's a difference. <laughs> but when you say should like they should more breweries take that, I think it's... I've, I'd said it for years, didn't I, that, that more... Um, collaboration Communal for want of a better word because yeah. collaboration is well, different been, but the collaboration thing you know all breweries don't they have one thing or something else yeah. that they've got too much of or not enough of blah 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 so if, if if that's how it should work more I think is more breweries getting together to do those things it's been, and obviously there's, there's now I mean we were pretty much pioneers in the cuckoo thing mm. and now it's become more prevalent mm. but there have been a couple of attempts at like communal brewery yeah, yeah, where there was one at um, was it Thorn yep. uh, near Doncaster where sort of some people clubbed together to buy, buy brew kit and then they'd sort of take mm. it in turns but it kind of didn't work out and I, I, I don't know I never looked at their business no. model or anything but it just didn't work out but I'm sure with the right yeah, people exactly. involved. I think, it's yeah. totally I think that's what well, you look at Germany. Germany, there's the Zeugel Breweries in sort of yeah. on the Czech border. They do like communal brew houses, as in the, mm. the village has its own brew house. It makes perfect sense, yeah. really. And everybody comes in, in turn and brews their own yeah. beer. I mean, that, that, that makes perfect sense to me. The, the, the follow on from that is. Um, there's also there was that U brew down in London, mm, which was yeah, yeah. which was a slightly different model. That was where people could come along, anyone could basically yeah. come along, brew their own beer, etc. Mm. And uh, I happen to know there might be something like that coming along the line in uh, Sheffield in the not too distant okay. future, um, which I've had minimal involvement in. Um, but yeah, a similar sort of thing. Possible, hopefully. <laughs> Screw you, hippie. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be involved in the technical side at all. I've just been involved in the setup. Um, so yeah, the, there's been sort of attempts at that, um, and the, the, well, none of them have really worked out so far, no. hopefully. So no. loads of those U bruises, loads at one point they all shot. Yeah, it's like yeah. one in Canterbury, one in. But it should, it should, it should work. It but should I think work, it should work really well. But, but again, something that's been, sort of been touched on is being a good brewer and being a good businessman are two very different yeah. things. I know, I know some great brewers who are just rubbish at running a business, so you need that side. I mean, um, obviously, we when we set up Steel City, 
it helped that you know I'm a qualified accountant, so I could run that side of it. Um, Couldn't prove that. I, I did all the I did all the best recipes. <laughs> Again, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, I mean, I mean, but, I mean, Gaza, you know, Gaza could do some of the sort of IT stuff, ran the website, did the a lot of the labels yeah. and that, and I I did I did all the business running side of it, and, and then we both did the brewing. So. Probably seventy-five percent we brewed together, and then yeah, yeah. We, we each brewed without the other. Not, not very often. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. I think that's possibly why it's been as good as it has been with Liverpool. Is almost because they're not, apart from Carlin's brewer, they're not from the brewing industry at all. They're mm. the business people. Yeah. That's all. They're, they're corporate business people, and so they understand business. But you obviously want you want you obviously want both. You want both because we've we've sort of come in with the brewing side of it as is Carl, and then you've got them at the helm, which is saying, right, this is where we want to grow it to. You can balance it and get to talk to. I mean, was it? um, It was on the back of the last. Counterintuitively, brewery openings increased during and after the global. Uh, economic meltdown because so many people got made redundant from IT. like jobs IT and finance yeah. jobs came away with like a payout and thought oh I'll open a brewery and they were businessmen but they didn't know the brewing side at all so they made rub- they made rubbish beer and so they flopped um, so the ones that did well were the ones that thought well I'm a businessman I'm going to start a brewery but I'm going to pay a good a known good brewer to actually brew the beer yeah, yeah you need both sides and we've all been there we, but we all know one side not the other you need to yeah. know weeks as a strength in brewing I think that's we just yeah. fell upon that accidentally yeah. with Liverpool almost didn't we I think it comes down to relationships. Yeah, with, 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 with yeah. like you saying the um, thing in Doncaster, like if the, if the if the relationships don't work, well, I still think a lot of it's knowing your your own weaknesses. You need to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I know I'm shit at selling beer. I always have been. I could do it. I'm no good at it. Yeah, ditto. That's why we got Sue. That's why Sue, when she came to brew me, I'll say, oh yeah, great, because. <laughs> You're far, far better than me at selling beer. And you sold miles more beer than I ever did. But you just need to know in business what you can do and what you can't do. And if you don't, you're going to really get in trouble because you, you need to be very, very honest and realistic. Mm. As most breweries are either run by great brewers who are crap at business yeah. or businessmen who can't brew. But they're the ones who got the chance. Because Businessmen have got the money. They can employ a brewer who can brew good beer. If they're, if they're they not, if they're not, money in. if they're not too sort of above themselves yeah. to realise that they need to employ yes. a really good brewer. Yeah, that's the thing. I think they need to recognise that that's what they need. I think that, yeah, that's the thing. Is people who thought, yeah, oh, as easy as brewing. Like, yeah, they've got the money, and even if they buy like a really nice shiny kit. Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing, like well, I mean, like where, where myself and Gazi used to brew was the epitome of the opposite of that. We had one of the most ramshackle Heath Robinson kits, and uh, I mean, we, we referred to the building as the brick shit house. It was grim. It was everything. If you were, if you were to lay out an ideal brewery, this was just the opposite of everything. The drains were the highest point of the floor. Yeah. Exactly, what brilliant design. But we brewed good beer on the most 
ramshackle kit you could imagine in a really sort of yeah. pretty crap environment. It, 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 yeah, you don't need good kit to make good beer. It helps. You can make great beer on crap kit. You can also make shit beer on great kit. Yeah. You can make fantastic beer on good kit. Yeah. The kit does help. Yeah. You can, you, rubbish kit, you can only make a certain level of beer because you, you can't do certain things. If you've got great kit, you can make crap beer, but you can also make fantastic beer. So, it's, it's just, beer brewing nowadays is all about money. It is all about literally how much money you've got. If you're loaded, you can come to brewing. Like there's a lot of brewers, I could mention sodium breweries. They were loaded. They can, they've literally walked in and gone, set a big brewery up, buy loads of national kit, employers of people, market budgets massive, sorted. And most of them do really well because a they can ride out the, f- the first two years when you set a brewery up, you've invested 100, 200 grand. You're making no money because you're basically still spending money to try and get customers. You need to be able to ride that. You've got two years of no income basically to ride out. Most people can't do that. Mm. And it's if you're loaded, you can do that. And nowadays, you need to have a lot of money to have a brewery because the brand, because there's so many breweries, the branding is is yeah the make or break. If your branding is good, you can sell a crap beer, mate. Not to be put to a funny point on it, you can sell rubbish beer with great branding. But great beer can't always sell with rubbish branding. So you can make the best beer in the world, and the branding's crap, because you can't afford a good artist, you ain't gonna sell your beer. It's like, it's like the old joke, you know, if you want to end up with a small fortune yeah. in brewing, start with a large fortune. Um, but also, I mean, there is, there is an element of, like some breweries start up, and they kind of have a reputation before they even start because either because they get the bloggers on side or because they they bring in a brewer with a known pedigree so it's like you can you if you just start a new brewery and say you know i'm i'm bernard i've got a new brewery nobody cares if it's like i'm bernard i've got a new brewery the brewer is x who used to be at this place not even that actually because the classic one of that recently has been it's been uh been duration I've been confused by duration. I'm n- nothing against them. I, I know them. nothing about I don't know the beers. Beers. It was, no, not, not tried them, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. What I'm, but the bit I'm confused by is they were they were like the best thing ever before they'd actually got any beers. Well, out. there's a few breweries I can and say thinking, that. Well, they haven't got a brewery yet. They haven't actually got a brewery. They're not. So, uh, no. Yeah, I mean, there's a I few mean, I could name that I'm not going to. Very that, confusing. That literally, I was reading blog posts about how great they were before they'd mashed well, their first brew. Yeah, what in Manchester springs to mind with that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You, you may well think that I couldn't possibly comment. I do think that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It's true. It's a strange it's, thing, that's it, all I think. It's, it's very it's... Masonic in, in a way, brewing. It's a lot of who you know and who you, who you've been, where you've been, and mm. it's does, it goes a long way. You, you, can, mean, you, know, you can have millions of pounds and have a new brewery get nowhere because you know nobody. There have been people who've come along, thrown a lot of money into it, got shiny kit. And got nowhere, but half decent doesn't cut it. No, 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 right. And more of a general observation is you've got to know your audience. So, you've if you want to repay on that big shiny kit, you either have to make something you can sell a hell of a lot of or make something that you can sell at a high price. What you can't do is brew something that's decent, but nobody wants to pay the price point that you need. I think, I think also the trouble, the trouble with those, those people are, 
they were, it's a big cliche, a bit ahead of the time. They were there when the area wasn't quite developed enough. And now it's been a lot what more they, developed. What they had was literally what we had as our pipe We did. If you remember we when did. we started, we said we wanted the American brew pub model. We want... We said, you know, it'd have to be rely on keg, which at the time would have been unheard of. But brew pubs in the UK in 2009 would have, you know, four, five, six of their own beers on. But it'd be four pails, one stout, one bitter. It was all brewed on Grundy tanks in the cellar. You yeah. not see a brewery. What, what we wanted was the American model where you'd have 12 beers on and they are 12 completely different styles and imperial stouts barley wines IPAs mm. double IPAs and, and big a big shiny kit, kit behind windows yeah and we and, and that now at the time we thought that's just a pipe dream in the UK five years later that started to happen in the UK and some some of them have really worked yeah um, again it's all yeah. a lot we're, still, we're not seeing as much of that though as, as you see in the States and I mean, I do think we'll see more of it. A lot of it's the way the beer market works over there, though, because all the sort of tiered, the tiered market system. It's, yeah. it's very different over it. Over here, you can sell beer to if you want, yeah. but you can't. You, you've got to sell to wholesalers. You can't sell beer direct in America. Well, most, depends which most states. states. Yeah, most states you can't sell beer direct. So, and, and that's where. And that's provided an extra opportunity yeah. for the likes of the multinationals to squeeze, because the likes of um, what Molson Coors, whatever they're called now, and um, AB Inbred, all that lot, they've started buying the wholesalers. So they're not, you know, a little craft brewery might say they'll never sell out, and they won't. But all of a sudden, they've got no one to sell to because some multinationals just bought the middleman and said, "No, don't want your beer." Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very different model. But, at least know, we don't have that. But I mean, yeah, the, 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 the dream always was a big shiny brew kit behind windows and loads of different beers on. And it's been done. I, the, I think the, the cliche clincher is money isn't always the guarantee of success. Yeah. It's the it helps. who you know and who you, yeah. who you employ. Who you know is a big thing. You, you can sell beer to. And your vision, if you're vision isn't wide enough as in you're not selling beer wide enough and interesting enough you've all got to pay your, your fixed costs if you can't pay your fixed costs you're going you're going only one way and, uh, do you think then there are more brewers who maybe have started over the last i don't know four or five years that are starting to realize you know yes <laughs> what you guys have realised and think well maybe we don't need the brew kit um, it's re- it's really hard and I mean if, if there's and I'm sure there are listeners to the, this podcast who are in that position like what, what would you say to them where it's like don't do it I'm stuck in the mud I mean that's the advice that most brewers say isn't it where yeah, it's like honestly, how do you start don't a brewery do it. Don't, do it. <laughs> don't do it don't do it really, really. Mm. even more so than ever just don't do it but if you're in that position like what do you do I think there's a lot of people now realise you don't have to have a brewery yeah but you don't need a physical brewery because, or you should collaborate more with other people and you could have a shared brewery or be a cuckoo brewer because you don't, there's obviously a disadvantage having your own brewery. Having your own brewery is great. Wherever you leave something, it's still there the next day. It doesn't get tidied away or borrowed or broken or used. We've all been there, we've all been, oh, where's, where's, that, where's that sack of wheat malt? You know, oh, I used that last week. Yeah. Or, oh, I've got it broken. Or, where's that gone? It's your own brewery, you know, everything it is, it's all your stuff. But you're paying for that. You're paying for every single square foot of that space. So, and you need to pay 
self-made pay for that and that's extra work and if you haven't got to pay for that expense of a physical brewery all you're paying for is your fixed cost of delivery branding a bit of casks a bit of that it takes a lot of weight off not all of it you've still got to sell your beer you've got to make good beer but you're immediately cutting your expenses by a hell of a lot because you're all that physical space physical kit shiny nice stuff you're not paying for it so so they're doing nothing a lot of breweries they've got all this short shiny kit it's doing nothing and I'm sure that it's all working but you're basically brewing for nothing so the Tesco's so the people of worst spoons basically nothing they're giving beer away just to turn over beer and it's been said for years and years and years there's a big shakeout coming there's a there's just a lot of people we, we speak to many people saying I'm making no money out of this why are we doing this and so many people are saying this is there's a worker for nothing that's literally for nothing and it's, uh, it can't go on really mm. it's mutual benefit as well like you say because obviously you know like me at Lost Industry so they get some money for a day in the brewery that they're not brewing anything so when everything would be stood idle i.e they're not really making any money on it they've got me paying them some money and then i'm making beer without having that capital investment and just pay them for the day and i've got my brew that way so both parties benefit it's not it's not like a zero-sum game it is it is literally mutual benefit, both winning out of it. Mm. So where do you guys see the beer industry heading over the next five years, particularly for, like, take your, your, your quote-unquote Premier League brewers aside, just for, for every, everyone else um, in, in the industry, where, where do you see it going over the next five years? Staring into your crystal ball. Go on, Sue. <laughs> oh, go on, off you go. No, go on, off you go. Go for it. No, oh, good. You do it. Why? You've all got very quiet now. I'm in my privileged position of not having to worry about what the industry does. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I suppose you are, yeah. No, oh, go on, off you go. Should we play rock, paper, scissors for this question? <laughs> it's tough one. I mean, there's definitely a sp- still a market for a local beer, cheap local beer. That's, that's, that's reducing, but it's still there. Definitely still a market for like high end hipster craft beer. It's the sort of middle markets being squeezed, being squoozed or squeezed. It's, it's, it's just uh, and with all this Brexit shambles, nobody knows what's going on with exports. I mean, export, at the moment, a lot of it is export. Mm. Is that still going to happen? Nobody, can you still do it? Nobody knows what's going on with that. It's, there's a lot of brewers export a lot of beer. And is that still going to happen? Nobody knows at the moment what's going on. So, it's all in a bit of flux though. Nobody knows. I think what's the interesting thing there, or impact on those very people that we were just saying, are the ones that have the money to to, to sit there and plow it. But they're, they're the ones that are exporting a lot. Yeah. Um, how that's going to impact on them, I don't know. You know, those, the, the same people that we say are um, the ones sitting in Tesco and and whatever that can afford to sell a lot of their beer off. 
at prices we wouldn't be able to sell to because it's you know a little bit of a uh, money burn sort of thing for them. They're the, they're the same people that are ex- doing a lot of export. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how that's going to impact really. I don't think well they they, they won't yeah. know. I'm guessing you know so. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Maybe that will come back to then the more local brewers that are selling to pubs like this. Um, as a UK brewer, maybe that will bring it more back to you're fighting for these sort of pubs mm. custom as you were a few years back, you know, and it, and it may be that we're back to providing really decent beer to pubs like these again because, you know, you know, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see because maybe they won't have such a foothold in this sort of environment selling beers to, to a good quality local pub that wants, you know, decent cast beer. They're, they're, they're the type of breweries that are not necessarily going to have such a foothold then. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, how can people find out more about? Team Toxic and, and, and bag themselves an awesome T-shirt. Oh, now. Who, who, who did your logo, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Our logo is fantastic. Yeah, thank you to you for that. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely came up with exactly what we wanted. With very little, a mad direction at every hour of the night. Ooh, oh yeah. yeah, can you just change this a bit? Or what about this bit? And, you know, it was brilliant. Yeah, understood us totally. It was fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, just type in to Google Team Toxic or uh, the website is if you if you if you put in the the uk, it'll take us to our social media pages because we don't do websites like or, or Facebook because Sue is the queen of Facebook and is never off anything. <laughs> so yeah just go on to <laughs> go on to Facebook find me on Facebook and you'll yeah. I am I share some office space um, and the, the phone rang and um, the main guy Dave picks up the phone and is like no, um, I, I, sorry, the, the, I, I think you got the wrong number. And he pointed it down and he went, <sighs> Someone, someone's phone up for Team Toxic. And I was like, oh, that would be for me, probably. And then um, I think it was a landlord chasing beer or an invoice or something. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, yeah, love so, it, love it, love it. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it's the, yeah, the Team Toxic anywhere, or me, Sue Hayward, H-A-Y-W-A-R-D. You'll find me on Facebook. Brilliant, thank you. Yeah. Today's Hot Ford podcast was brought to you by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. In just five short years, SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow or launch your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, and the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion. Their recently opened parts shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running. Visit their website on www.ssvlimited.co.uk. That's www.ssvlimited.co.uk and check out their latest projects. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Uh,